Gary Chapman in his book, The Five Love Languages, he identifies five basic ways that people communicate love or perceive love being communicated to them. And those five basic ways are quality time, acts of service, words of affirmation, appropriate physical touch, and giving of gifts. And I'll explain a little bit more of that in a, in a moment. But um, we're not all wired the same way. And so for one person, they might feel love communicated to them through a handshake, a hug, sitting in close proximity to someone they care about, of course, holding hands. Just different ways of appropriate physical touch help them to feel loved and cared about. But then there's other people that that doesn't really make them feel comfortable at all. Maybe they've gone through some type of physical abuse or they have some sensory issues that that, that bothers them. Then there's other people who feel like, you know what, I just really appreciate it when people say things to encourage me and to help me kind of feel better about myself. And so that person, their love language is words of affirmation. Other people might be like, well, it doesn't matter what you say to me or about me. What I really care about is what are you doing for me? You know, are you doing something that shows you care? And that person, their love language then would be like acts of service. And the reason they're referred to as languages is because whether we think about it really or not, this is a way, again, that we tend to perceive love being communicated to us or the way that we tend to communicate love. And we, so each of it becomes like its own type of language. So Gary Chapman is a marriage counselor, and he has identified this over years of counseling couples and realizing what is going on sometimes because both of them say, well, yeah, I love my spouse, but it's just kind of like we're not on the same page. And so over the years, he's identified these things, and I think he has really hit on something here because the book, The Five Love Languages, has been out for years. We use it in premarital counseling here at Porterfield and, and in marriage counseling, and many other uh, counselors use it as well. So it is, it's a book that has stood the test of time. Now, you're probably thinking, so Mark, what's that got to do with the Bible? <laughs> well, God speaks to us in all five of those love languages. And so it's important for us to take a little bit of time to think about that this morning with Valentine's Day coming up this coming week and people are thinking about expressions of love. And of course, it's, it's a time of mixed emotions because some people don't have their loved one anymore or they're going through a difficult time. Other, other people look forward to Valentine's Day. But I want to focus today on the love that God has for you. No matter what has happened in your relationships here on earth or where you're at in your relationships here on earth concerning that, I just want to show you from the scriptures how God speaks all of these love languages. Now, in a practical sense, when you're in a relationship with someone, if they have a different way that they communicate love than you do, then what you need to do is to try to learn what their primary love language is so you can begin to speak it. I'll just, I'll use my wife and I, Julie, uh, as an example. So when we first got married, I would tell her, um, honey, your hair looks really nice. Or if she had paint her nails, I'd say, well, your, your nails look really pretty. I, I like the way that you just take care of your nails and stuff. And uh, I couldn't figure out because, you know, I, I had been told that most women like to be told nice things like that, you know, told they look good and everything. 
And yet what I discovered is if she came, we both worked and we worked different shifts. And what I discovered was no matter how much I told her I loved her and she looked nice and all of these things, if I didn't have the grass mowed or I didn't help with the dishes, I, I was kind of like nobody. So I had to learn the hard way. There was one day that I came home. We lived in a little tiny apartment, kind of, anyway, it's a small place. Let me just put it that way. We were renting it. Kitchen wasn't very big, and, and I came in, and uh, I saw there was dirty dishes in the sink. And, you know, I'd like to tell you I was real noble, but I, I came in, and I saw those dirty dishes, and I'm like, I really don't want to do that, but she's probably going to nag if I don't do something. <laughs> Sorry, honey. But, but anyway, this was my perception, not her, not what she was doing. Anyway, so I thought, I'll go ahead and wash those dishes. So I did that. We didn't have a dishwasher or anything. So washed the dishes, went on about my evening, and when she got home from work, she walked in, she saw the, the dishes there, and she said, honey, thank you for washing the dishes. And I'm like, oh, wow, okay, I learned something here. So if you haven't figured it out, my primary love language is words of affirmation. So when I say to you, hey, it's good to see you today, or you look nice, or whatever, just know that's coming from my heart. It's genuine. It's not some kind of fake schmoozy thing. It's my way of expressing. I, I appreciate you. I care about you. That's just kind of the natural thing. And so when people tell me things like that, it has to be sincere. But when people tell me things like that was a good message today or, hey, I appreciate this or that, that's like wind in my sails. I tell people that. It never goes to my head. I don't get an ego about it. It just encourages me to keep going. So that's my primary love language. So we tend to speak that. So I was speaking that to her, but her primary love language is acts of service. And anybody that knows Julie, I mean, they will tell you she is a worker. I mean, she, she works here at the church. She serves. She helps out. She does it in the family. Uh, today, our grandson, is, it, we're celebrating his birthday, and she has been working, baking a cake and icing it and putting the decoration on it just the way he wanted it. Acts of service is her way of saying, I love you. And so once we figured that out, it really helped us in our relationship. So when it comes to our relationship with God, though, that's what I want us to think about today. Because God speaks, he really does these different love languages to us, and he speaks in different ways, and he connects with each of us in different ways. It's really important. Jesus sums it up in John 3.16, that famous verse that probably a lot of people, even if they don't go to church, they've, they've heard this. But it simply sums it up, for God so loved, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God is a giver. And I'll talk a little bit more about him speaking the love language of giving of gifts and what that means. But as I mentioned before, the gift of life, you being here right now is a gift from God to you. Now, I want to just take a moment and just close your eyes and just take a, a nice deep breath in. Just close your eyes and just let's do that. And then let it out. I mean, doesn't that just feel kind of good? I mean, even if you're having a, a tough day, you just take that a deep cleansing breath and let it out, and it just kind of helps you feel relaxed, even if you're having a tough time. Every breath is a gift from God. And yet we, we, we enjoy it, we take it in so much, and we don't think about it until we have trouble breathing. And, and of course, 
we think about it also with so many loved ones over the course of my lifetime and even in this church who literally are here one moment and they've taken their last breath and they're gone so sudden. And it's a shock to us. But it is a reminder that every day is a gift from God. And he's given us our senses, the sense of physical touch and smell and hearing and all of those things, eyesight. He's given us those senses to enjoy life. Well, let's think about physical touch for a minute. So again, we may not really realize how important that is, but as you and I developed in our mother's womb, we were surrounded with physical touch and the warmth of our body. And then after being brought out of that place of safety <laughs> into this big old world, and isn't it ironic that the first thing that most of us do when you come out into the world is cry? I mean, and we know it's a way that you're taking in your, fo- your first breath. But I think there's something symbolic there. You're leaving the safety of your mother's womb and you're like, oh no, I'm out in this big old world now. But again, what comforts us is feeling the warmth of our mother's embrace, her arms around our body when, when we're an infant. We don't, I don't remember that. But in that moment, you feel it. Or a warm embrace of your father, those who love you. You feel security, you feel reassurance and love. And then as we grow on into adulthood, we experience affection and love through appropriate physical touch, like I mentioned, whether it's a pat on the back, a hug, a kiss on the cheek, uh, what, whatever it is, a handshake, a high five, just depending on the relationship you have with that person. Well, here's what I want us to realize. God cares about physical touch so much that he came into this world and took on flesh and blood and bone. You see, Jesus taught us that God is spirit. So God does not have a body. He is spirit. And yet he took on flesh and blood and bone and came into this world that he created and became one of us while maintaining his full deity, his full Godhead. Why? Because he wanted us to feel his touch. He wanted to relate to us with physical touch through Jesus Christ And he wanted to experience that as well. The Apostle John explains it this way. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word word was with God, and the Word was God. And then a little bit further down in verse 14, it says this, And the Word, talking about God and His Spirit, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. Glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I don't have the scripture on the screen, but later on, John writes this in 1 John, which if you're following along with us each month doing New Testament readings, that's one of the books that we're reading this, this month. It's only five chapters long, but 1 John. And John talks about that God is light and him is no darkness at all. And he talks about the fact that they're giving witness to that light. And and John even writes, that which we have handled, which we have touched, which we have seen. And he's talking about Jesus. Well, there's an incident in Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, that I said referenced from the song, uh, He Touched Me. And it says this in Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you could make me clean. 
Now, Jesus could have just spoken a word. He could have healed that man without doing what we read that he does here. And certainly, this man was a leper. And you need to understand, in that culture, uh, people had a great fear of leprosy. It's different than kind of what we think of leprosy today. There were various uh, skin conditions and things that they would refer to as leprosy. But the point was this. There was this social stigma with that, that if you were diagnosed with leprosy, you couldn't be around people. You were, an out, you were a social outcast. People were afraid to touch you or even be near you. In fact, if you were diagnosed with leprosy, you had to, to wear a covering over your head, you had to cover your mouth, and you had to cry out. If you were going, or if anybody was near you in a crowd, you had to cry out, unclean, unclean, so that you would warn everybody not to come near you. This was the fear that they had with leprosy and its contagion. So Jesus could have just spoken a word, but look at what Jesus does in verse 3. Jesus reached out his hand, and he touched the man. Jesus is willing to do what we're unwilling to do. He sets an example. Don't be afraid. Those that seem like social outcasts that nobody else wants to have anything to do with, they need physical touch just like the rest of us. You know, when, when people are ill in nursing homes or in the hospitals and they're dealing with health issues and sometimes people feel like, you know, I'm, I'm a little leery. I don't know if I want to catch something from this person or I don't want to give them something inadvertently. People need physical touch. Um, it's not the first time, but just uh, a week or so ago, a dear lady in our church, Linda Stallings, who's helped out in the nursery with, or with the kids, um, she's been ill for some time. She passed away. Randy and Pam Beerling, good friends with Linda, and have been just, they've been Jesus to her. They've taken care of her because her mother passed away. She was unmarried. She had no family members here. Pam sat by her bedside uh, there in the nursing home. And when I went to visit her, Pam was right there holding her hand, and I sat down on the other side and, and held Linda's hand and read some scripture and prayed with her. Why? Not because I'm anybody great. I'm just, we, Pam and I were just representing Jesus to her touching her, letting her know, we're here, Jesus loves you. Shared some scripture with her, prayed with her. She couldn't respond. Later that evening, she passed away. But these are the opportunities that we're supposed to do as we represent Jesus in the world. Here's the point with this. Now, Jesus, he took on flesh and blood and bone, and he touched people, and he healed them, and he set the example, which, by the way, Jesus reached out his hand, touched the man, and Jesus said, I am willing be clean. And immediately the man was cleansed of his leprosy. But to follow the example of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, we are Jesus in the world today. That's not some blasphemy. That is a biblical principle. Jesus said, I'm going to ascend back up into the Father after, uh, after he died on the cross bodily, was placed in the tomb, rose again on the third day bodily, came out of the tomb he said, uh, he talked to his disciples for a period of about 40 days. He said, I'm going to ascend back up into heaven to my father, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I will come to you. My father sending the Holy Spirit, which again, this is this mystery of the triune nature of God, so that I will not only be with you, but I will be in you and you will be my 
servant. You'll be my hands and feet. So you today, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, you are part of the body of Christ. You and I are the ways that we can do physical touch. We saw that Friday night with the people, the special needs people that came in from all over the community. And some of them couldn't walk at all or walk well. They had different things that prevented them from doing the things that you and I do. And yet when they came in, many of them, they just wanted a hug. They just wanted an embrace. What a blessing that was for us. That's being the love of Jesus, the physical touch, and just saying you are cared about. So Jesus expresses love today still through physical touch. Again, and I say appropriate physical touch. Jesus physically hugged and blessed children that were brought to him in Mark 10, 16, and he took the children up in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Well, another love language is quality time. This means giving somebody your undivided attention, doing an activity together that you both enjoy doing, and uh, not just like sitting and watching a show together, but actually doing something like taking a walk, interacting, doing some type of activity instead of just being on your phone all the time. And I know we're, we're really bad about this in our culture, but even when we sit down at a table, I, I, when, when I eat out at a restaurant, it's interesting. I'll go and whether it's Julie and I or I'm having lunch with another pastor or someone, I will set my phone, I silence it, I totally set it out of, out of sight, out of mind, don't want to see it. And, and we have some great conversations, whether it's with Julie, another pastor, whomever. But I look around at other tables, and I'll see couples sitting together. And they're sitting there, and instead of talking to each other, they're looking both down at their phones. And then the food is served, and they eat, and there's not a lot of talking that goes on. And then as soon as they get done, they're looking at their phones again. That's not quality time. You might be spending time together, but that's not quality time. Now, I'm going to bring an analogy that might step on some toes even this morning. But if you're coming to church this morning to just check it off your list, and you're even thinking now, I wonder how long Mark's going to preach. When is he going to be over? He's only on his second point already. You're not spending quality time with God right now. <laughs> you might have your hind end in the seat, and you may be here physically present, but if you're not engaged in trying to listen to what God is speaking through this message, it's not quality time. And God wants to spend quality time with you. It's why he's left us probably the world's longest, la in fact, it would be the world's longest lasting text message. It's a big, long text, and it's lasted for generations. Have you taken the time to read his text message to you? It's called the Bible. It's why we are encouraging you to read the New Testament one chapter a day. It's all you got to do, one chapter a day. And if you'll just simply do that, by the end of this year, you will have read through the entire New Testament and had lots of makeup days if you missed a day. I've had some people this month because we're, read, we're only reading 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. All three of those writings are only seven chapters long, so you can read that in a week's time, one chapter a day. Then Ephesians is the other book that we want you to read out of the New Testament this month. It's only six chapters long. People are like, well, what do I do the rest of the month? Well, you can read Psalms if you want. You could read a Psalm a day or a chapter in Proverbs a day. But here's a thought. Why don't you read it again, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John? Or if it, why don't you read it a couple? Is it really going to hurt you? You might learn something new the second time you read it that you didn't catch the first time. 
What am I talking about? I'm talking about quality time. Actually taking time to slow down instead of checking the box to say, I did this with God, I did my Bible reading, I did my prayer time. You're slowing down and you're saying, God, show me something new today. I really want to learn from you. This is what God desires from us, and it's what God gives us in as his Holy Spirit works through us to minister to people. So here's a few little hints. I feel like I shouldn't have to say this, but in our culture today, um, we need to be reminded of this. So what's a way of letting someone know you really care about them and spend quality time? Just maintain good eye contact with them when you're talking to them. Today as I'm speaking, though I have my notes, I want to make sure that I'm looking at you. Why? Because I care about you. I don't want to just get up here and read off a sermon. So when you're talking to someone, look them in the eye. Let them know you care. Stop glancing down at your phone or your smartwatch. Because when you do that, you're communicating to that person, well, you know, what you're saying is really not that important. I've got other things that are more important that my mind's on. You don't realize you're communicating it. It might seem really innocent. But to that person, trust me, they feel that way. I'm, here again, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if this, if, if this is you. Has this ever affected you? You've really had something important or you wanted to talk to somebody and the person you were talking to was looking at their phone or their watch or their TV or doing something else. Let me see. Oh, yeah. See? And it bugs you, doesn't it? When you're the one trying to talk and they're looking at their phone or whatever, it bothers you. But, of course, if you're the one that's like, well, well you know, I'm listening. So, anyway, you get the point. So don't do something else at the same time. Pay attention to the body language of the person you're talking to and watch your own body language. Now, I'm going to share something with you. You don't care, but it's okay. So sometimes I'll stand like this, and I'm doing this not meaning to say I'm closed off to you, uh, but I realize that can be a signal that, that arms being crossed, that can be a signal that I'm closed off to you. I don't really want to hear what you have to say. I just want you to know, if I ever stand like this, talking to you, that's not it. My arms get tired hanging down. <laughs> and so I actually do this because it rests my arms. And I really want to listen to what you say, so instead of thinking about my arms being tired, I'm really doing this so I can be comfortable and listen. Another reason I do this is my hands get cold. And so right now, when I stand like this, my hand's tucked under here, and, this are, and my hands get warm this way. So I just, if you ever see me do that, don't misread my body language. I really do care about what you're saying. <laughs> but here again, this is why we need to learn these things about each other. But Jesus gave his undivided attention to his disciples. In John 3, 22, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them. He spent time with them and baptized. Jesus speaks this to us today in John chapter 15. And in fact, there's a prayer in John 17 where Jesus prays for us today. But I just want to read this to you because this applies again to his Holy Spirit being inside of us and us having his word inside of us because we've taken the time to read it and understand it. In John chapter 15, verses 4 through 5, Jesus says this, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He wants that connection, that quality time. He truly wants this spiritual relationship with your soul, with your spirit. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. 
He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Here today, as we're gathered in his name, whether you realize it or not, Christ's Holy Spirit is here with us. And this is why I'm saying it's quality time. He wants us to experience his presence, but we need to be willing to receive that and have our minds focused on him. The early church, and, and I'm not talking about today, the first service, I'm talking about the early church in time, uh, the first believers, Acts chapter two, verse 42 says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, being together, doing things together, and the breaking of bread and the prayer. Quality time, spending that with God. And one of the ways that you spend quality time with God is to spend quality time with other believers. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, here it is, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Church is not something that God wants you to do. It's a relationship he wants you to experience. The church is the people. It's not the building that we meet in. The building's important. It's a great tool. We're grateful to have it here, but the church is the people. So how are you treating other believers, and how are you desiring to spend time with them? Words of affirmation is another love language. Spontaneous compliments, they mean a lot to a person. I've shared that as a personal example. It's just like wind in your sails that keep you going. And so verbal compliments or handwritten compliments in a note or a card, those are powerful communications of love that can really encourage a person who has that as their primary love language. And we, we know that God absolutely speaks that love language to us, words of affirmation, because again, we have it in the scriptures. He wanted it written down so that we would not forget his love for us. This is why we have the New Testament. This is why we have what Jesus spoke to us. God spoke words of affirmation to Jesus and through Jesus. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, it says this. This is at the, at the baptism of Jesus. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him, here it is, and suddenly a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God set the example of speaking words of affirmation about Jesus, and certainly he spoke words of affirmation through Jesus. This is also important for us as parents. We need to learn to speak words of affirmation over our kids and our grandkids I know it's easy to sometimes always want to correct them and, you know, kind of show them what they're not doing right, but we need to affirm the things that they are doing right. We need to speak blessings over their life. God set that example both ways. God corrects us when we're wrong, but he also affirms us and encourages us. Peter, James, and John, they got a glimpse of Jesus in his supernatural glory on a mountain one day. It's referred to as the Mount of Transfiguration. But while they were there, they heard God speak words of affirmation about Jesus. Again, in Matthew chapter 17, verses 5 through 7, while he was still speaking, this as Peter was saying something here, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son 
whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down on the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. There again, there's that physical touch. He touched them and he said, get up, don't be afraid. Jesus speaks words of affirmation to us. These words are not only for the disciples back then, but for us today. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So even when we're facing difficult times, Jesus is speaking reassurance to us. Trust in me. I love you. I care about you. I will be with you through this time. The Bible, again, is God's text message. It's full of love notes and full of instruction and full of discipline and full of guidance. Will you take the time to read it? Acts of service is another love language. Easing a burden of somebody that's going through a difficult time, uh, working to provide for your family, uh, doing things around the house, like I mentioned, whether it's mowing the, the lawn or helping the house, helping with some of the housework, making the beds, uh, transporting kids, whatever it is. Acts of service is one way that we show that we love people. And absolutely, Jesus set the example in service. Any of you that have spent any time in church at all have heard messages where this is talked about. But in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus said this about himself. Even though he was, he was God in the flesh, he said, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And we know, of course, the time when Jesus was with his disciples at the Passover meal, we refer to it as the Last Supper because it's the last one he had before he went to the cross. And so when they had gathered for that meal in John chapter 13, picking it up at verse 12, it says when Jesus washed their feet, picking it up at verse 12, it says when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and you're right for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant's not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Don't just hear it, but put what you hear into action. Do it. That's where the blessing comes. That's what we experienced again Friday night with Night to Shine. Serving those, helping those who don't get to have these kind of experiences, don't get that kind of attention very often, a night to just say, you are loved by God. You are important. Your life matters. Jesus loves you, and we love you. And so that whole event was an act of service. It's a way of showing that we care. And this is what Christ has called us to. And then finally, giving of gifts. Well, throughout the message, I've talked about how God gives us the gift of life. He's given us the gift of Jesus. And we need to understand something, that a person that has the love language of giving of gifts, it's not about materialism. It's not that they just want stuff. It's the fact that whatever you are giving them, whether it's something you made them, something you purchased for them, it's not so much the, the amount, it's the thought behind it. 
Now, I know, you know, we've heard that old saying, it's the thought that matters. Now, sometimes, you know, that can be taken to the extreme because somebody gets in a pinch and they're like, "Uh uh-oh, it's so-and-so's birthday and I forgot to give him a birthday or last-minute Christmas shopper, and you just grab any, any old thing and you give it to them and then you're thinking, well, it's the thought that counts, right? Well, if they get a gift and it's apparent there wasn't much thought put in it, that, that doesn't encourage them very much. So it doesn't matter necessarily what it is, but they need to see that there was some thought put behind it. It's like the person that has that kind of a love language is like, wow, they really were thinking of me. They took a lot of time in that. Actually, my daughter, Bethany, um, I just mentioned that one of the things that I would like to have for Christmas was, uh, you know, a knit cap, a toboggan, whatever you want to call it. It's obvious why I need one of those, right? And it's <laughs> so, and I, I just sent her a few pictures of some stuff on Amazon. You know, I'm like, here's some that, that it'd be nice if you want to get that. Just try, you know, it doesn't matter. And what she gave me was, I wondered, I was over to her, <laughs> I was over to the house, I'm not very bright. I was over to her house one night and she took a tape measure and she stuck it around my head. <laughs> and I thought she was just kind of being goofy or I thought, well, maybe she, you know, whatever. She didn't say anything and we were talking anyway. Christmas time comes and I open the package and she had knit me a hat. And it's like, wow, that's one of my favorite gifts because I knew she took the time to do all that and she was thinking of me while I was doing it. That meant a lot. I'm tearing up even thinking about it. So you see what I'm saying? The giving of gifts, it's not so much what it is, but it's the idea behind it, the thought that was put in it, the love that was put in it. And this is what God has done for us. This is why we make such a big deal about Jesus dying on the cross. We do not fully comprehend this gift that he has given us, the love the great lengths that he would go to to leave the glories of heaven and become one of us and take on flesh and blood and bone and walk among these imperfect people to say, I love you and I love you so much. I know your sin has separated you from me and you're going your own direction, but I'm calling you back. I want a relationship with you. I'm not gonna force you. I'm here to show you who I am and I'm gonna show you how much I love you. And he gave the very gift of his life. He went through suffering and agony and abuse and persecution, and he took it all. He didn't have to, and he died. And then on that third day, he conquered death to say, I told you I'm the one. Put your faith in me. He's given us such a great gift, and it's a gift not only of forgiveness, but eternal life if we'll put our trust in him. But like any gift, we need to receive it. 1 John 4.10 says this, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but here's the good news, the gift, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He is speaking the love language of giving gifts. He has spoken every love language that we could think of. John chapter 1, verse 10 through 13, talking about Jesus. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, for those of us who have received this gift, we believe that Jesus died for our sins. We ask him to forgive us. We receive the gift of Christ in our life, and we say, Lord, I want to give my life back to you as as appreciation and service for you. Thank you. To all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave them the right to become the children of God. 
who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of men, but of God. And then if that weren't enough, when you accept Christ, he gives you abilities to serve one another in the church so that we might be a blessing to the world. We refer to those as spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 through 7. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and every one in it is the same. Uh, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, this is every believer, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. God has given you a spiritual gift, an ability of some kind that he wants you to use for the benefit of others in the church, that the church can be healthy, and that we can then be a blessing to the world and reach out and share the love of Christ with others. So God wants us to speak his love languages, and he speaks all of those love languages to us. Jesus, I want to close with, with this quote from Jesus. John chapter 15, uh, beginning at verse 9. Jesus said this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. I, I want to spend quality time with you. I want you to feel the love of my touch through other believers ministering to each other in times of sorrow, in times of grief, in times of need. I, I want you to give gifts and share the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want to speak words of affirmation over you. I want you to serve one another. Abide in my love. That's what that means. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So I hope today in this message it's encouraged you to think about ways that you perceive love being communicated to you and ways that you communicate love. And I hope that you'll take some of these things in a very practical way and use it in your family. Use it with your spouse, your kids, your friends. Try to figure out what their love language is and try to speak it in a way that's meaningful to them. But above all, understand God's love for you and learn to speak that love language to one another. Would you, would you stand and give it back to God? Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this reminder today about your great love for us that's really practical. And help us to see the importance of your Holy Spirit living in each one of us so that we can share these different love languages in a way that is meaningful to help your church be strong and healthy and grow and to connect with this community that they might see your love in action, that they would be brought to faith in you. So, Lord, I pray that you just move in whatever way you want. And if there's anyone who hasn't opened their life to your love, I pray that you'll use this message that right now. They'll just say a simple prayer and open their life and say, thank you for the gift of your life, Jesus. I believe you died for my sins and rose again. I ask you to forgive me. Come into my life. Help me live for you. Lord, just continue to help us to enter your love and abide in your love and share it with others in your mighty name. Amen.